So, how's everyone's NIL and high school recruiting strategies going so far? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I am your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to download your your podcast, we are free, and I really hope you're enjoying the show, and I do want to say thank you for coming along for the ride. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't done it yet, you got to ask yourself why. Do me a favor. Hit that red subscribe button. It means a lot. And to those of you who already have, you know I always like to give you a very sincere thank you. Spread the word. So I think uh, USC's NIL and high school recruiting is actually going better than uh, Texas A&M's and definitely than Florida's NIL uh, collective program. But that's just me. So according to a tweet from Bruce Feldman that he put out on Thursday, This is fascinating, by the way. Texas A&M has lost 25 scholarship players in one offseason, of which 18 were considered blue-chip recruits, 8 were top 100, including, I guess, five stars uh, that he mentioned, Denver Harris and Chris Marshall among them, Seven were freshmen from their top-ranked 2022 recruiting class, uh, most considered number consensus number one across all recruiting services. So what's going on down there in uh, Aggieland? It's something weird, right? Because you're getting a mass exodus like that, and, you know, it's not like uh, these guys aren't being enticed, induced, paid well, to uh, come check out Texas A&M playing the SEC for Jimbo Fisher. But after a year, to lose 25 players from your roster and the ones that I just mentioned, man, that's that's a significant number. Let me put that number into context. In 2022, and I'm I we've talked about these numbers at on Locked On USC many times, so. If you're not paying attention, here it is again. In 2022, Lincoln Riley brought in 26 transfer transfer portal players. And so far to date, uh, today is what? January 19th when I'm producing this show for Locked on USC on January 20th. Um, he's, they brought in, USC has brought in 12 transfer players Uh, I mentioned their names a few times, so I'm not going to go through them. However, one of them does include Texas A&M's Anthony Lucas. He was part of their 2022 class. USC uh, was recruiting him heavily out of high school. So, again, USC already has 11 coming, and there's more anticipated to come. The next transfer portal window opens up... uh, it's closed now, closed on the 18th of January. It opens up again May 1st for two weeks. So May 1st through the 15th. And here's, let me, I guess, just point out the difference between USC and 
USC's program and Texas A&M's program when it comes to how they're using NIL and recruiting. You know, USC has been very judicious um, with the ways they like to to use their NIL collective, their war chest. Um, and much to the chagrin of USC fans who think they, you know, they're probably not aggressive enough. There, There's an argument to be made there in certain cases. Um, you know, Texas A&M, it's no secret they like to entice high school recruits uh, with dollar signs, you know, big big contracts spread out over you know three to four years the time that they are uh, they're enrolled to play football at the university. Um, USC they prefer to take the route of rewarding players for their production uh, that they that they've already done in college, uh, or you know they'll they'll also they'll be very selective with uh, who, I guess, who needs those extra incentives. If you can't see me, uh, if you're listening to me on your favorite podcast, I've got the, the finger quotes. So there are certain high school recruits out there that you know, might be worth um, some uh, NIL dollars. But there's very few out there that you're going to throw out significant numbers to. And you'll understand what I'm getting at here momentarily. <laughs> so... Which program is doing it right? It's definitely not the Florida Gators. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I've gone over what Texas A&M, they're kind of getting burned. They tried, they started throwing out money to all these top recruits. They're not sticking around. Whether it's because the program's not heading in the right direction with on the field, I don't know. Florida's doing something that is just making them look foolish. According to the On3 Network's Peter Nakos, Rashada, um, Jaden Rashada, he officially filed his paperwork on Thursday, excuse me, on Tuesday to be released from his national letter of intent with the Florida Gators. Rashada, the nation's number seven quarterback recruit and a top 65 prospect overall, uh, verbally requested the release last week. But Tuesday's move seemingly put an end to what quickly became a broken marriage uh, between the Pittsburgh, California native and Billy Napier's staff. Billy Napier, the head coach and his and his coaching staff at the University of Florida. And like many fractured relationships, the biggest beef was money, NIL money in this case, according to the NIL report from on three. Rashada flipped his commitment from Miami to Florida back in November, largely because of a massive, are you ready for this number? $13.85 million NIL deal facilitated facilitated by the Gator Collective Operators. Okay, again, let me say that number again. Almost $14 million. That was supposed to be paid out to Jaden, again, over three or four years, however long he was at. In Gainesville. I'm going to keep going from the uh, report from the on three story. The deal was so ludicrous, ludicrous that it dramatically exceeded fundraising levels for all the major players in the Florida NIL marketplace. Uh, just to kind of put where Rashada's NIL value is into perspective. On three has his 
NIL valuation at 450000 Not bad. She hasn't played a down of college football. Compare that, though, to Caleb Williams, who has a $3.2 million uh, value. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, around $3 million. Both those guys have won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, according to one prominent Big 12 collective operator who pointed out that most top-end collectives operate with an annual roster budget of around three and a half to four million for player retention and recruiting purposes. So, you know, there are other programs that have, you know, bigger bankrolls, so to speak, uh, including some that, you know, go up to seven, maybe eight million on roster deals per, per season. Quote, this is a wake-up call for everybody in the collective space. A Pac-12 collective operator said, quote, if you want to win big, you have to have a big-time quarterback, and the market has dictated that you're going to have to present an awfully attractive NIL package to get that type of quarterback. But man, if you thought we were doing our homework before, this changes everything. We're going to have to go above and beyond from a legal and due diligence process to ensure that we don't ever get into a situation like this, end quote. Now, uh, I'm not sure who that was, but I have a pretty good idea based on, uh, you know, on three network, the programs that they're affiliated with in the Pac-12. You guys connect the dots. So maybe, look, hey, maybe this is tight end. Maybe it's not. I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit here. Uh, as far as uh, recruiting and everything associated with it and the transfer portal, I've said it, I'll say it again, it's always, it's very fluid. Two weeks ago, I was told that Florida's Ethan White, the offensive lineman interior uh, guard, uh, was a long shot to come to USC. In fact, pretty much I was told he's not coming. And part of it was uh, it might have had to do with everything I was just talking about. So is Michael Tarquin uh, his former teammate to be? Maybe. Remember, Florida Gator Michael Tarquin is uh, transferring to USC. Well, apparently... WeRSC.com Scott Schrader has reported that this weekend, USC is going to host offensive lineman Ethan White on his official visit. Interesting. Because uh, the Trojans are also hosting Warren Roberson, who did not sign, either, even though he is committed to TCU uh, from the early signing period. So this weekend, both of those guys are going to be on USC's campus. Prediction from Scott Trader, we are, and the on three guys, and I think I talked about this on the one of the most recent episodes, uh, it's a good chance that Roberson is going to flip his commitment to USC. As far as Ethan White, uh, you know, there were two Florida Gators that were named to the Associated Press All-SEC teams. One was left guard, White. He was second team O-line. And then Osiris Torrance, who was first-team honors, White's a junior. Now, January 27th, 
if you're trying to say, all right, well, if he's going to be here this weekend, doesn't he have to enroll in classes? Well, here's your answer. The January 27th is the last day that he would be able to enroll for the spring semester. But again, there are loopholes that, you know, schools use to get around these types of things. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll I'll update you. Let's see uh, if he wants to be a Trojan first. Get him on campus. Let's get him sold. Let's see what happens. So again, USC might not be getting those top-ranked USC, excuse me, top-ranked high school recruiting classes, top five, top six that everyone wants USC to have. And they're just, you know, outside the top 10. And I've always said those rankings are very subjective. What's the difference between a top five team and a top 10 team? Uh, here's what I can tell you. Uh, Florida is having mixed success uh, on the field as well as with their recruiting, the way they're using NIL. However, USC is having tremendous success using the transfer portal. And they're using their NIL war chest, uh, I would say, pretty smartly uh, because they're using it on players that they need for a year or two. They're not over-promising to players like a Jaden Rashada, who might be really good by the time he's done with college, but he's not worth almost three and a half to four million dollars per year. You're telling me he he would be worth more than Caleb Williams, and that's just not the case. So again, while Florida's pretending to you know hand out 13 to 14 million to high school players and Texas AM is hemorrhaging uh their recruits or well their recruits yeah, I guess we could call them their high school recruits that they possibly overpaid for. Uh, USC seems to have a handle on their high school recruiting and their NIL collective and their program and their strategy and how to use it. They're, they might have players leaving on trickling out here and there through the portal, but nothing like what you're singing or with those programs that I talked about. And they're definitely not you know, handing out money hand over fist like Miami without getting results on the field. All right. Head on over to betonline.net because they are your number one source for your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer or esports, they've got it all for you at betonline.net. And if you love podcasts, you're watching this. I know you do. You can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. I need to make sure. Go check them out. The brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and the players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> Speaking of college basketball, 
wasn't a great night for USC. Get to that here in a little bit later. Hang around. Check it out. All right. Before we get to USC hoops, I'm going to ask a question. Eric McKinney wrote a really nice story over on WeAreSC.com asking which five players on defense uh, could possibly make an impact. Well, I'm going to flip the script, do it over here. Which five players, not named (laughs) Kayla Williams on offense, who are returning, uh, need to make a difference in 2023? In no particular order. I'm going to make this clear. So, let's just say number one. At running back, Austin Jones uh, is going to be the guy who's going to try and you know, fill the, the shoes that Travis Dye left behind. Specifically, you know, his pass protection is going to be great. Leadership, being the oldest guy in the room, being there, knowing what it takes, smart, intelligent, uh, and runs really hard, uh, catches the ball out of the backfield. But it's not necessarily Austin Jones. It's Ray Leak Brown if we're looking for the guy at running back. Ray Leak needs to show that jump, that growth, that development from his freshman to his sophomore season. It's going to be imperative. He needs to be able to show the world that, you know, show the, why he's a threat, that once he has the ball in the open field, that he can take the ball to the house at any single time. He has that that Reggie Bush it factor. Um, and USC is going to need that uh, in 2023. There's players coming in who, who also have that ability, but I said players returning, not, you know, not players coming in. I want to be very specific about returning guys on the roster, players from the roster returning. As far as, you know, getting the ball to Ray League in space, some of that's going to come with more creative play calling. Uh, and I guess a little bit of trust from Lincoln Riley. Uh, and that can be earned by Rayleigh not being so, and when I say the term, use the word selfish, it's because he's trying to do too much. Uh, and that's maybe why, you know, Mario Williams found himself uh, fielding one of the most important kickoffs at the end of the season in the Cotton Bowl. You know, sometimes Ray Leak uh, thinks east and west is better than going north and south. That's not always the case. How about Justin Dietrich? I think uh, I think I made the case for Big Daddy on an earlier episode. We already know that Andrew Voorhees is off to the NFL. We know that Brett Nealon is has NFL aspirations. He's got to hopefully get that recovery from his Achilles injury that he suffered at the end of the 2022 season. Bobby Haskins is going to be playing in uh, some college all-star games, trying to get some, uh, get those NFL scouts and GMs looking his direction. So you need, that's a lot of experience missing from USC's 2022 offensive line. Uh, So you need big daddy to kind of anchor that offensive line along with Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim. And then you got Gino Quinones. Mason Murphy was also a starter uh, 
I guess part-time starters about the season. And then you're, we have to assume that Michael Tarquin is coming over to compete for a starting job. Jared Kingston, the offensive lineman from Washington State, same. And then you've got the other young guys behind these guys, Andrew Malek. Uh, I mentioned Andrews DeWork. Uh, and again, I forget forgive me other names behind them. I don't know. Is Jason Rodriguez coming back for another season to give it a go? We'll find out in spring camp if he's going to be there. How about uh, the name Lake McCree? Okay. Six foot four, 220 pound sophomore tight end. He kind of, you know, he, he's designated as a tight end, but he might be that big wide receiver. We're going to keep him at tight end. Brendan Rice is going to be the big wide receiver. Uh, Kyron Hudson. Uh, and I think Dorian Singer plays. He, he might not be as big as those guys that I mentioned, but he plays big. However, McCree has great hands. Um, he's really athletic, especially for a guy his size. I don't know if you remember during the season, he, uh, he heard a look, some dude in the game. I think he did actually a couple times during the season. Very athletic. And it gives Riley another wrinkle uh, that I don't think was used enough in the offensive scheme last season. Whether that was by design, uh, for, for whatever reason, I seem to remember the tight end being used more with Lincoln Riley when he was at Oklahoma. I'd love to see that incorporated more at USC in 2023. How about Miller Moss? I mean, heaven forbid uh, someone find someone is able to find Caleb Williams kryptonite, or even worse, you know, we don't want to see him go down again for any extended period of time. You need a backup that is not a freshman quarterback, a true freshman quarterback. For all of you saying, oh, no, Malachi Nelson's the future. He may very well be. I don't care that Malachi is the second coming. He's not ready to lead this team, a team that is trying to contend for a championship. They made major strides from four and eight to 11 and three. And look, this is not a knock on Malachi. He's a freshman and he's just not as good as Caleb. And I'll be happy to eat my words if he turns out to be as good as Caleb. He's going to be bigger than Caleb. I, when you look at him uh, physically, he's taller um, and he has the frame to put on really good weight. So with the right conditioning, hey, maybe he is the next to Caleb Williams and he just has to kind of get there. But in 2023, Miller Moss is much more important to this team than what's going to happen in 2024 and beyond with Malachi Nelson. That's my feeling on the matter. In 2023, and again, it's players coming back. So you guys can say, well, no, 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 they got the quarterback coming in. 
you you need a backup quarterback on your roster ready to step in. And I believe Moss is that guy. Wish he would have had more opportunity in 2022. Maybe the defense will provide that for him this season. Yeah, you know, kind of ducking for covers. People are like, Mark, don't forget who the defense coordinator is. Um how and I guess finally, how about Mario Williams? I mentioned him a moment ago. He needs to have a great bounce back season. He needs to get that cotton bowl taste out of his mouth big time. Uh yeah. And it's not just that kickoff return that everybody remembers. It's and it didn't just happen in the cotton bowl, it happened throughout the season. Mario is another guy who likes to try and make something happen every time he touches the ball. Admirable. Sometimes you have to know when to cut your losses. And running backwards to try and go forward isn't what you need to do as a wide receiver, especially when you're trying to get a first down. So he and Caleb came over together from Oklahoma, sort of. Mario got here before Caleb. And if Mario doesn't have that bounce back season, uh, there are a couple of really, really talented wide receivers coming in that will be available this spring. So again, Mario needs to have a great 2023 season and he needs to have that impact. He needs to be able to match up with Taj Washington. Uh, to, to keep that continuity, that comfort, uh, that comfortability that Caleb will need. Um, hopefully Brendan Rice will be able to step up and, and just maintain what he did in the Cotton Bowl and keep going forward with that. You know, other names I could have mentioned, Taj Washington, he caught Riley's attention. Uh, other names, definitely you have to include Cortland Ford, Mason Murphy, and, and I mentioned Austin Jones at the very beginning. Okay, so are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all that fat and calories? Then you got to go try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. Yep, I told you, I'm trying to eat healthier. It's not working out. Anyways, uh, you got to go try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're really delicious. And... You won't even think that they taste good for you. They're your perfect New Year's resolution. And what makes them taste so good? They're made with 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. None of that fake stuff. And they come in really great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how they do it, but they do it with only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to wait around and order them online anymore. You can head on over to Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. And then you can grab a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of their cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're near Sam's Club, run in, get a 13-bar box. They have their hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Thank me later for these. All right, I mentioned a little bit ago that the USC Hoops team didn't have a good game. Good night. Oh, excuse me. What the whistle there. 
right. Um, USC doesn't have much success when they do their desert road trip. Uh, they were three for and thirty-three heading into the game against the Arizona Wildcats on Thursday night at the McHale Center. I should three. They were three wins against thirty-three losses. Make that three for thirty. They're three and thirty-four. They lost eighty-one to sixty-six, and they also have not been able to beat a ranked team on the road since. 2010, which I found interesting, but apparently that's true. It's going to be hard for this USC team to win on the road um, throughout the year if they cannot make their shots consistently. They don't have a a uh, interior presence like they have in the past. Arizona likes to play big. USC tried to play big, didn't work out. Uh, so And it's going to be harder to win, regardless of where you're playing, if you can't make your free throws. And uh, as a team, USC just isn't a very good free throw shooting team. I, ironically, considering who their head coach is and how well <laughs> he shoots free throws. He was known, he's known as a shot doctor. Anyways, couple, just a few highlights. I'm not going to uh, labor on here, but... Uh, Vince Uwuchuku, he got his first points as a collegiate player. He actually uh, had four points in the first half. He got two with a really pretty sweet turnaround jump hook. And then he, uh, right before the half ended, he had a nice putback slam dunk. So four points, one rebound. I want everyone to remember, this seven-footer is trying to get his basketball feet under him get back to the speed of the game. In July of last year, he was laying on the court, being resuscitated. He was dead. Every time he steps on the court, this is a win. And he's going to keep getting better. Uh, the score at halftime, USC was losing 41-26. to 26. They couldn't make open shots all night. Um, they were... 18% from three-point range, 30%, 32% from the field overall, and just two for five from the free throw line. And if this team is going to win, you need Boogie Ellis to have a big night. Well, he had no points going into halftime. In the second half, USC was able to cut that lead down to nine early, actually. They were making a quick run, and then all of a sudden they gave up two really quick back-to-back three-pointers jumped back up to a 15-point lead. They really never got back into it. At one point, they were down by 19 with about 11 and a half to play. Riley, uh, not Riley, Andy Enfield, uh, he's been going deeper into his bench this year. Uh, he said it's because they've been having really good practices. I think he's trying to find some consistent scoring. And he's built a roster with that's guard heavy. So he had a... He had these five guys on the floor, uh, Reese Dixon Waters, Malik, uh, Harrison Hornery, Drew Peterson, excuse me, Malik Thomas, Harrison Hornery, Drew Peterson, and, and Kobe Johnson. Kobe actually rolled his ankle, so he wasn't even, he wasn't 100% for the game. Uh, they didn't have a lot of scoring going on with this team. 
Drew led everybody on the night. I think he finished with 15 when he fouled out with uh, USC was losing by 16 with about, I think it was six and a half minutes to go. Drew had 15 points. He had 11 at halftime. He fouled out with 15 points. Like I mentioned, USC was never in the game. Uh, Boogie, I think he, uh, like I mentioned, he had zero at half. He finally got into double figures. He came alive at some point in the second half, finished with 11 points. He and Drew were the only two Trojans in double figures. Just too many offensive scoring spurts where they didn't score. And as I mentioned, for a team that's built uh, to shoot from the outside, and they don't just they don't do it very well consistently. Gonna have a tough time winning. And in basketball, you got to put the ball in the basket. USC played pretty well defensively. I'm not going to roll over the, the the stats for you here. I'm already over my time as it is. A lot of you guys say you, I talk too much about basketball. I don't want to talk about USC when they lose. However, Saturday night they'll look to bounce back against Arizona State, who. Last time I checked, they were leading the Bruins at halftime. I don't know what the final score is. I don't care. I'll let you know the next time we talk. Anyways, Locked on USC. That's another episode. That's another week. I'll be back again, though, next week with another five episodes. Hope you enjoyed the week. I did. So, Locked on USC. We are always your first listen every day when you're done here. Check out Locked On College Basketball. I talked about them before. Get all the latest, the insiders, players, coaches. Make them your second listen. And then I need you to head on over to WeRSC.com because that's where you get all the really cool uh, VIP stuff that I can't talk about for free. But I will always uh, let you know what's going on one way or another. There's stuff I got to keep over there but I will always keep you informed over here. That's why you make Lockdown USC your first lesson every day. Until then, everyone.